This is the Trucking Entrepreneurs Podcast, the show where entrepreneurs share their own unique stories, discuss business trends, the impact of technology, and their entrepreneurial journey, plus how you can benefit from their products and services. Join your host, Derek Williams, and today's special guest as he takes you on a journey through interviews with innovators in the trucking and logistics industry. This is the Trucking Entrepreneurs Podcast. Here's Derek. Are you having trouble looking for qualified and efficient truck drivers? Have you ever gone through drivers who failed to meet your expectations? We know that filling the empty spot with a suitable candidate has always been challenging. In fact, you might have been filtering through applications, but you can't decide if they are the right person for the job. Rig on Wheels Broker and Recruitment Services is here to help you through the process. You can lean and depend on our team of experienced truck driver and recruiting professionals to do the deed for you. But that's not where all things end. If you are a professional CDL driver looking beyond the horizon, let us help you. We have over 50 trucking companies looking for qualified Class A drivers. So what are you waiting for? Head on to www.rigonwheels.com to learn more or call us at 281-968-3100. This is Rig on Wheels Broker and Recruitment Services, your reliable partner for high-quality truck drivers. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is your host, Derek Williams. Today, our guest is Mr. Chris Jocelyn, the owner of iLevel Logistics. In this episode, you will learn iLevel Logistics is a company that focuses and cares about the small businesses in the industry. If you're looking for a source of great information and the latest news in the industry, then you definitely need to subscribe to iLevel Logistics. Chris shares some valuable information pertaining to a couple hot topics that's taking place in the industry as of late. In addition to talking with us about his On Fire podcast called Jaws Bites Podcast. You definitely have to check out the podcast and subscribe. So without further ado, let's join in with Chris to learn about those topics and more. Greetings, Chris. How are you today? I am doing excellent. How about yourself, Derek? I can't complain at all, Chris. Everything is well. Um, you know, great. Well, I won't say great weather because it's a little bit on the hot, hot side with humidity. Uh, but, you know, I can't complain. It always You can worse. take that humidity all you'd like. <laughs> I, I, I like it when it's down to about 5% out here in Arizona. So, wow. <laughs> but, but I will trade you the probably 85 degrees for the 110 that it's here. So, I know that's right. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. I'll tell you what, I'll take winter any day. I'll take winter yeah. time. I'm, I'm a winter person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I actually grew up in Michigan. And, okay. 
Yeah. And so I had my fill of winters for sure. I grew up on a little farm back in Michigan. And uh, when the snow drifts got high enough and my dad said, get out there and shovel that snow to the barn. Mm -hmm. I went, when I graduate, I am going to move west where it's warm. (laughs) And I definitely (laughs) did that. (laughs) You had to plan at an early age. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny because, and I don't know if you live where you, you know, now where you grew up nearby or anything, and a lot of people do, right? which is yeah, great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes when you when you grow up in situations and you see what's out there, me, I was, I was like, okay, I need to move west, need to move to California, need to experience something that was talked about at our high school, et cetera. So I, I right. attacked that with kind of a vengeance, went to, went to grad school out here in Arizona and eventually moved to Southern California where I jumped into the industry at that time oh okay yeah. no no prior military or anything no no okay. I, I thought about it quite a bit yeah. but I, I never mm-hmm. jumped into that I, I went to I went to school after I went to college after high school and of all things being in the transportation industry now I have a geophysics degree a lot of good that does me if, but if somebody <laughs> wants to talk about rocks or petroleum or this or that I, I get to right. I get to give them my two cents about that <laughs> wow Uh, yeah that's it pretty interesting chris yeah yeah it's it's funny how you get where you end up you know it's sometimes it's a really thin thread to Mm -hmm. to get you to into an industry or into relationships etc and and that's the the truth with me i i had a a fellow i went to school with back in michigan that had made his way to california and I was uh, I was at grad school in Arizona, and he called me and said, "Hey, do you do you know anything about transportation?" I said, uh, "Yeah, I've got a car, <laughs> you know." Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he goes, "No, no, no, trucking and, and railroads and things like that." And I said, "No, all I know is it's because I was selling at the time. I was selling uh, TVs and stereos and things like that at a department mm-hmm. store." Okay. And I said, "All I know is that." You know, when the truck doesn't get here in time, I'm I'm upset because I don't right. have any product to sell the people that are coming into the, the, the store here. That's, That's what right. I know. And he goes, well, I can teach you all you need. Why don't you come out here and, and work for this intermodal marketing company? And so that's how I got my start. I just said, okay, I always wanted to be in Southern California. I'm going to head out there and I'm going to drive around and see what I can do about uh, getting freight onto the railroads. And that, that right. kind of began my career longer ago than I'm willing to admit in the camera, by the way. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I had lots of hair at the time. Oh, I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> so, so with your friend, was it something that he identified in you that was like, you know, hey, I think you would be good in this? Besides, you wanted to move to the West Coast, but uh, was it something he saw in you that's like you would be a good match? You know, we joke around every time I see him, and he just says I was full of you know what. And that's oh, he thought I'd be a good salesman, <laughs> but no, no, it, it's uh, I, I like detail. I, I like uh, I like helping people solve problems. Right. And when I looked into the industry, especially in the railroad side, which is what where, where I began, these these customers, these shippers, these retailers, these these freight forwarders, you could see very quickly that they had a lot of challenges of getting freight from one part of the country to another or figuring out how to transload it off of a, a dock into a, into a 53 foot container to move back to Virginia or somewhere like that. They, right. they didn't know how to solve those problems. They were wearing a lot of hats for whatever place they were working for. 
and they needed someone like me to come in and sit beside them and say, what can I do to help you to lower your cost to do these transactions, to get your freight to where it belongs? So that people like me at those retail stores weren't complaining about the deliveries anymore, right? Right. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of that's kind of what it was, and and but it, it's funny because the one of the companies I I own now, um, that matter of fact, on my shirt, I don't know if it can be seen, but the I level oh, yeah. logistics yes, shirt here, one of those companies was kind of born out of the idea that when I started in the industry, I just got kind of thrown into the fire. Okay. You know, my, my buddy said he was going to teach me. And you know what he did? He said, here's your here's your uh, business car. Go out and start finding freight. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So right. it was in, in the thing that was really lacking at the time, and of course, this was a long time ago, and it's, it's changed a lot since. But one of the major things that was lacking at the time was uh, industry information knowledge for people like myself there was you know today you go to university and there are uh, departments specifically for supply chain solutions and and transportation and logistics and all this kind of there was none of that at the time and there certainly was none of this which i think is a huge benefit and congratulations to you by the way derek because this this kind of thing that we're doing right here is really important to the industry not just ours but many of them but this industry in particular because people like me that came into the industry back in last century, uh, um, we had no knowledge at all. And, right. and if we had, if I had something like uh, I Love Logistics or many of the other ones that are out there to look at and say, okay, what's happening at the ports? What's happening in the trucking side of the industry? What's happening in the intermodal side? I'd have been much, much more ready to get out there and make a career of things. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, man. That is very much true. Thank you for the compliment yeah. as well. But yeah, you you you're doing big things, man. I won't get too far into it right now. I'll give you an opportunity sure. to really uh, uh, throw it out there. But um, when I saw your website, I was like, "Wow, is this like CNN?" You know, <laughs> you know. I was really trying to get a good grasp of it. I mean, you really put a lot of good content and information out there, like you say, which is very much needed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially for somebody like myself that really don't have a lot of um, hardly any experience at all in the industry. Um, you know, your website and podcast is a good resource to go to to uh, learn and keep up on things that are happening in the uh, country, you know, et cetera. You know, it's it's funny, Derek, because you're you're one of the, like two of the major targets for our website. You know, it, it certainly is great for people in the industry, starting in the industry that, you know, the, the dispatcher, the uh, the customer service rep, the salesperson, the, whoever. I mean, even in the management side to look at this stuff and get daily uh, bites of information about the headlines of different things that they can dive into on, in articles, all that kind of thing. But it's right. also made for people that don't know a whole lot about the industry at all because, you know, over the course, especially of the last two and a half years for some reasons that are obvious and some not so obvious. The supply chain in general has been right in the focus of really our legacy media, all forms of media. I mean, you can't turn around without talking to somebody about the volatility in the supply chain now or either the lack of toilet paper or, you know, baby formula or you name it or the the vaccine rollout, all those kinds of things. An integral part of that is the supply chain. 
you know, the, 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 everything from the ships coming over from overseas with, you know, PPP, PPE, um, stuff, uh, or the stuff coming over the borders of Canada or Mexico, or the things running domestically on the railroads or through our network of, of over the road carriers. It's all tied together in kind of maybe too fragile of a network. And that's, that's one of the things I talk about a lot is, is the fragility, is the need for more nimble logistics, if you will. Right. Okay. You know, what's um, interesting about that is, you know, for the longest, you know, school, you know, many years ago too, um, you know, I always heard that small businesses was the backbone of the country, mm-hmm. which in a great aspect it is. But once I got a taste of the tr- trucking industry, trans- logistics industry and all, um, in my little very short period of time, I was like, well, no, truly the logistics industry is the backbone of the country because small businesses won't, wouldn't be able to get their supplies and products and things that they need to actually have a business. Right. So really it logistics industry yeah. is it. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's interesting, Derek, is that the, Supply chain industry, well, trucking, use trucking as an example. Over 80% of, of uh, carriers in the United States that, that do long-haul business mm-hmm. um, are small business owners. They're 20 trucks or less. And, and that can be pretty significant on the revenue side because it costs a lot to move stuff across the country. Right. But they're still small business owners. And, and you're right on the money because back to what I said a few minutes ago about selling at a, a, a department store – if that product isn't on the shelf, it's not going to get sold. That's I mean, right. certainly online is a way that a lot of people do business. Now, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I, I love to hit that 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 button that says done right away. It's coming it to your right. house tomorrow or today or <laughs> a drone is going to drop it in or whatever the case may be. So logistics is ever changing. Right. But the fact of the matter is, is whether you're brick or mortar or whether you're a virtual store, you have to have the product available to you either at your warehouse or your OEM facilities warehouse to be able to send to to you and me the consumer, and if it's not available, you and me are going to find somewhere else to go get it. That's so right. these small businesses, and I I I've talked about this a lot. I, I talked about this in a in a fairly recent podcast I did about how, and I'm not. Let me qualify this. I'm not anti big business on the logistics side at all. I worked for a multi billion dollar company for the first 17 years of my career and they they treated me great i i loved it there was nothing about them other than them not wanting to do things my way all the time which is why i end up leaving right but uh, but they were a very good company still are right and uh, so i'm not anti-big business but what i see is there's a lot of regulation there's a lot of policy there's a lot of things in our industry that are lined up squarely against the small business owner not just on the side you're talking about that receives this product but on the side of those that are trying to deliver the product the logistics the supply chain people the intermodal people the brokers the the small carriers the owner operators all of them typically don't have the ability or the back room or the dollars in the bank to facilitate running up against all the regulations that are there. It's one of the things I rail about a lot, actually. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So speaking of that, well, let's go ahead and jump right into what you do. What, 
What and who and what services do you offer with iLevel Logistics? Yeah, I, I, I actually own a, a couple of different companies. And I, when I left that big company I was talking about, I started a supply chain solutions company, CJ Solutions Group. Okay. And that does still does a lot of different things that I won't get into here because I, my direction these days is, and, and I also have a small trucking company up in LA that does dredge from the, from the ports, wow. et cetera. But the I-Level Logistics was kind of a company that was born out of the idea of taking some proprietary software solutions, some transportation management systems that me and my team had developed over the years and having a separate company for them. So that was the original intent. And in doing that, I had some conversations with my team about about what I talked about a few minutes ago, the lack of of good, solid daily information out there to the general public and also to the transportation public. So we started down this road. It's still evolving, but we started down this road to aggregate and curate information across the industry. So if if you jumped on our website today, which is ilevelogistics.com, you would see, and and thank you for the compliment, by the way, we've done a, uh, my team has done a really good job of trying to put together a very professional looking site uh, you know, the, the, the guy that does the podcasts isn't, doesn't look that professional all the time, but, but no, I'm just kidding. But, but, uh, but you know, that's actually part of the allure of our industry, frankly, and part of the allure of this medium, you don't have to be a professional in broadcasting. You, you don't have to have, you know, a big acumen or the right equipment or whatever. You just need to get information out in, and that's what's been lacking in the industry. And we saw that and we said, okay, we're going to do something about that. We're going to bring in articles from all over the industry. We're going to curate them and aggregate them on our site so that we can send out an email to our subscribers. They, they'll get it in their, their uh, inbox daily that they can just click on. Uh, it's, a, it's a great little email. It's free, of course. Right. And it, now if that, if that, creates additional business for CJ solutions at some point point. Great. That's part of the program. Right. But ultimately, you know, when I I don't know if it's just me or if it's, it's kind of inherent in most people that have had a a decently long career, but at some point you decide you want to kind of give back, you know, you, you learned a bunch of stuff, maybe the hard way, maybe you Mm -hmm. failed and then won and then lost again, et cetera, et cetera. But you want to be able to get that information out and help share that with people. So not only aggregation and, and curation of information, but we have our own, our own stuff that we put together. We have a, some researchers that take and, and they analyze different aspects of both the, the political and regulatory side of the business. Okay. Uh, maybe it's just uh, talking about, I, I did a podcast once about really trying to look at our, our transportation system and say, hey, we need to be more driver-centric. That's one of the problems we have. We have, you know, uh, nearly 100,000 jobs uh, uh, to be filled by drivers today in the United States. That's the going number. There's a lot of reasons behind that. In particular, that that we're not really efficient about keeping people on the road uh, contained within their hours of service and using the ELDs today, et cetera. But, But part of that problem is that companies have looked at the driver as, kind of the, the low paid guy. And to me, they've always been in our industry, the most important part because they are the touch point between where you pick up something and where you deliver it in any right. kind of, you know, chain link in between. And if you don't have that link, right, 
then the whole thing collapses. And we can see that in the last few years, really, how that part of it, even though we've deemed them as essential workers through the pandemic and things like that, a lot of companies, they don't look at the driver as central to their business. They look at metrics and they look at operations, operational aspects and going over the numbers and the budgets and all that. All those things are important. Right. But the, if you don't get the drivers right, you don't have the stuff on the shelf. And whether you're a small business owner or a large one, <clears throat> you'll fail because you don't have the product on the shelf. That's right. Yeah, I agree with you so hard, wholeheartedly on that. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned about the 100,000 drivers or what have you. Um, you know, it's, it's, I've been receiving <laughs> conflicting information on that. And what I mean by that is I've seen on LinkedIn where the a ton of information about a shortage of drivers. Then I've seen a handful of people saying that there's not truly a shortage of drivers out there. Oh, you want me? Oh, okay. <clears throat> That's and, me. Uh, it's, it, and I, I'm sorry to interject because I, I think I know where you're going with this and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, shortages in, in, you know, supply crunches on any, whether it's a product or whether it's in this case, this, this, what we're really talking about is the shortage of a service, right? Because there's only a driver shortage if there's more loads out there than drivers and trucks to fill those loads, to move those Correct. loads, right? right? And that has to do a lot with what, we, it, what we've done over the course of the last number of years to kind of curtail what a driver's capability on any given time frame is. We Im- implemented the hours of service regulations very strictly, over the last few years and you have to, you know, truckers as companies know they have to have a very good safer rating to be able to get the freight they need and comply with everybody and be a, a, an adequate carrier for any shipper or receiver. They have to fill out this quota, if you will. These, the, the, the key performance indicators are that, that companies usually look at internally are now something that the government looks at and that the people that hire you look at. <clears throat> And the lack of drivers really has more to do with the efficiency in a network than anything. MIT Transport Labs, this was several years ago, but it still applies today. They did an entire white paper analysis on this. And what they came up with, and I don't adhere to this strictly because there's a lot of gray area in what we talk about. But they said that if you could have a driver at current run rates, in other words, current speeds, current traffic uh, situations, et cetera. If you could have every single driver beyond the road physically driving 14 minutes more per day, there would be no shortage. 14 minutes. And their, their, their view on this is that the shippers and receivers take too much time to both load and unload. There's too many, too many things required of those, you know, that place you deliver there's a time of, of uh, appointment time and there's a scheduled offload time and all that kind of stuff. And, and oftentimes those run in into extra hours, et cetera. And of course, depending on your situation with hours of service, that can really mess you up because that can be applied to your actually your service per day for a driver. So that driver may have to reset before they would have to. Anyways, it gets complicated, but the fact of the matter is, is if the drivers that are out there were able to drive just a few minute, more minutes per day, that shortage wouldn't be there. But that's not the case. So okay. shortage is a shortage, right? So the current situation is how do you mitigate that? And right. what most companies do is they throw money at it, 
right? It'd be on, on a temporary basis, perhaps, but they throw more money at the driver pool that's out there to try to bring on more drivers. And the I think the average age, this may have changed over the last year or two, but the average age of a driver, long haul driver in the United States, was almost fifty. So that's that's not a good sign for a pool of new drivers coming aboard, right? And yes, that sir. that may even be one of the reasons that people are keep pushing the agenda as far as autonomous vehicles and things like that and more effective and efficient modes of transportation that way. Because I see drivers eventually, at least in part, in in the corridors that it can be applied to, and this is 10, 20 years from now, but I see it as these drivers being renamed as pilots. Because mm-hmm. if you think about the airlines, those pilots are there to, in case of. Right. Most of the time they hit a few buttons and the plane does what it's supposed to do because mm-hmm. the computers control it, and right. that's autonomous driving, right? So right. anyway, here I go off on that one of those t- tangents I told you I'd go off on by accident, <laughs> by the way. But no, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting development that's coming along, and there's a lot of pressure from the government right now um, that is going to harm that driver pool even further. It's going to change the look of it. Uh, in particular, and I, I don't know if you want to dive into this or not, but the thing that jumps out to me, of course, and it's in the news every day right now, is the whole AB5 in California, Assembly mm. Bill Number 5. Um, and if, it, you know, the, the, the indications initially were that that bill, Prop 22 in California, was designed to try to impact the gig economy right? All these people wanted a gig. They wanted to be able to drive for Lyft and Uber and do a bunch of Mm -hmm. other things. And they wanted to get 1099 for that at the end of the year. And these platforms were making so much money that the government said, what, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And California, of course, a place that I lived for 30 plus years, which I love, by the way, it's just a fabulous place is always likes to think of itself as kind of the tip of the spear, right? Mm -hmm. So if there, if there's going to be something radical to happen, industry-wise, technologically, green initiatives-wise, it's going to come from there first. It just does. Mm-hmm. I don't I know why. But right. that's it seems to be what they like to be proud of. And AB5, while I can see both sides of why people want that in place, uh, it, it puts the trucking industry, unless it ends up being exempt, which I don't think Governor Newsom will make it exempt, it puts the trucking industry on unnoticed that small business thing that I was talking about because small businesses are in the trucking industry as owner operators. And in the past you could be an owner operator for a lot of different companies. You could also own a truck and lease that truck to a carrier so that you could um, ride on their DOT authority and ride on their insurance program, et cetera. But with this AB five situation, yeah, and stop me if you're too if you're very familiar with this or not. But if with Actually, the eighty five situation, it changed what has been about a fifty year um, kind of evaluation of whether somebody's a contractor or an employee. It used to be called the Bolero test, and I won't get into that. But but it's now called the and I, I, I did a a podcast on this. I think it was podcast number seven of Jaws Bites. It was called the ABCs of AB five, mm-hmm. and then another called the pro react pro act which i'll mention in a minute but the ab5 situation basically says look you you can't if you want to be considered a contractor you've got to be free from the control or direction of the company that's hiring you well that's kind of hard if if you're leasing your truck to 
carrier A and you're using their DOT authority and you're using their insurance, of course you're going to be directed by that company. So that's one of the three questions that has to be asked and you've already failed one. But the biggest part of this is the second question and that's to perform work outside of the usual course of business for the company that's hiring you. Hmm. So if you're a carrier and you're hiring an owner operator who is essentially carrying freight, then you've already ruled that out. You've, you've, you've messed that whole prong of this ABC thing completely. And I, I, I think it was yesterday, probably today as well. There was, there was a few hundred owner operators at the port of LA or long beach protesting this very thing. And I think Monday there's one planned for the port of Oakland. Mm. This is, this is mid July right now, but it's in. So, you know, if, if you're seeing this a month from now, then the likelihood is that something's still happening. And the right. effect of this, it's, it's one thing to put something into place and be law, and they're making it retroactive to the beginning of the year, by the way. So anybody that does not adhere to this is going to be subject to litigation of some kind. But mm-hmm. I, I suspect that the enforcement part of this may take some time. But ultimately what it does is it, it forces owner-operators to decide to do one of two things. Either they have to get their own MC and DOT authority and own insurance and, and go out and solicit business from multiple entities, just like any carrier would do. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's tons of people that do that. But it's very expensive to do, especially for somebody that just wants to be an entrepreneur, right? And they want to go out and and have their calendar define them instead of, you know, (laughs) adhering to somebody else's. And that's kind of why people want to be entrepreneurs. Exactly. At least one of the main reasons. (laughs) So they either do that. Or they say to the, the carriers that are employing them now as a contractor, can you hire me? Mm. And that's a volatile decision for the carrier because that, that constitutes putting somebody on the payroll, which is typically more expensive for the carrier, which then has applications of workman's comp, you know, time off situations. You're not going to be paid by the, uh, by the, the shipments. You're going to be paid by the hour. There's a lot of different factors involved with that. So carriers are going to be reticent to do it. So this is going to have a much larger impact than people think. And everybody says, ah, California, you know, you're, you're back in the East coast. You're going, ah, California, they'll, <laughs> they'll mess around with this for a while. It'll change. Mm, no, I'm, I'm, there's, there's similar assembly bills in multiple States to address the same thing. And on top of that, I mentioned the pro act earlier, and that's something that's in the Senate right now. It passed the house already. It's in the Senate and it's called uh, oof, pro stands for protect the right to organize. Mm. So this, this is the second part of this because what you can really see from the government standpoint is they want two things. 1099s. A lot of people know them. A lot of people are them. Maybe you are, I don't know, but Mm. a lot of you have to pay your taxes once a quarter or once a year, depending on how you've set things up. Employees, when do they pay them? Every time they get paid. And so the government gets their money. Right when somebody gets paid. That's right. And yeah. the second thing is, is if you're an employee, then unions have the right to go to you and help you organize to increase your pay levels. And I'm not against that. I, I worked for the AFL-CIO at one time, years and years and years ago. So I'm, don't, don't get me wrong when I say these things that sound negative about something. What, I, what, I, what I'm hearkening back to with this, in this PRO Act, by the way, if it goes through, they use the exact same three tests that I just mentioned. Actually, I mentioned two. There is a third one, but again, it's something that can be overcome by brokers, et cetera. But the PRO Act 
would codify this whole thing and make it national. The same thing. And also take away the ability of, of states to be right-to-work states, right. which has a lot of other downstream effects. In That's right. right. Yeah. So it, it, it's a it's a complicated thing, and the, the challenge that I see with it isn't that, you know, the large companies, they know how to deal with this. They, they will hire the employees they need. They will, you know, maybe they'll get a, a, a kind of a process or they've created a brokerage that will allow them to hire outside carriers that have gotten their own authority and MCs, et cetera. They will adapt. The right. small businesses are the ones that get crushed on this. That's right. Yeah. And I, one of the main things I felt, with I-Level Logistics when, when we moved this from this idea of, of transportation management system and platform to aggregation and information and podcasts and things like that is t- to try to help entrepreneurs, to try to help the small business owners not only understand what to do in general business terms, but to, to have an understanding of this stuff so they don't get caught up in it. Right. The last thing any of these guys want is to be audited by the state of California or any other state. That's with, right. Oh, you, you paid this guy for three years as a contractor? Well, retroactively, we need to charge you workman's comp for this guy for those three years. Right. It, and that means out of business is what it means for a lot of people. Exactly. Sure yeah. does. So I know you have your podcast. We'll get to that shortly. So with our level logistics, do you do any on-site type of interviews, um, you know, of any businesses or things that are happening, you know, across the country or anything of that nature? Yeah, uh, it, we're we're still in developmental stage. I've I've had, uh, you know, uh, I don't know a dozen interviews with, you know, a a, a drayage company president, uh, somebody in the um, electric vehicle industry, right. um, some people in the repositioning side of the business, which is. But I've I've had I've done some interviews with some people and it's it's very interesting because just as I hope you do as well when you interview people you get little bits and pieces and insights of things that maybe you didn't look at that way right and I find that very interesting in our our business because everybody has their own desire to make their business run in the direction that their mission tells them to run right and a lot of times that means they look at a a piece of the supply chain industry, the transportation industry that I don't look at that closely. And it gives me a broader sense of what's out there, what's, what's going on and, and the need for these different companies to, to fill those gaps in the supply chain supply chain. By the way, I, I use that term a lot. It's probably my favorite thing in the transportation industry because it's so visual, right? You see, you, you have this, this chain of events and circumstances and processes all the way across the, the time that something starts to the time it's, you know, you've performed your proof of deliveries on something and all these links in the chain are different companies. They're different individuals or different drivers. They're different custom brokers or different paperwork handlers and customer service people, et cetera, et cetera. And what you discover is that the, the chain is unbelievably resilient, but also unbelievably fragile, fragile at right. times. Yeah. And at least yeah. that's my, my, uh, view of it but interviewing people is is a huge part of it i i enjoy getting with people i'm going to be at the iana expo in long beach in september um microphone in hand and i'm going to 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 get input from a lot of people there because i think that's a 
uh, an interesting thing. And that's also where I started in the intermodal side of the business. I'm very, very familiar with the railroad side, which, by the way, if anybody wants to think of it this way, was the first autonomous vehicle there was. If you think about it, you have an engine yeah. and you have a mile long of train on tracks. It's right. That's about as autonomous as it gets right now. Right. It's been around yeah. for a hundred and whatever years. So, mm. but it's a that's it's a, a wonderful point. field to be in. It is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I never looked at it or thought about it in that process, but yeah, that's a very good point, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I think it's in Texas. I can't remember the name of the company right now. Uh, but there is a trucking company that's that's utilizing a autonomous a series of autonomous vehicles between you know it's a wide open stretch in Texas somewhere it's right. a couple hmm. hundred miles I believe, but they're doing it as a chain, and what I mean oh, by wow. that is they have a a driver with a truck in front, and then they have three or four trucks behind that that are autonomous. All of them they have a pilot in in case of emergency, but they they they're they're daisy chaining this. And I, the first thing I thought of when I read the article on that is they're doing a train. <laughs> That's what it is. It's, you know, they've got a, whoever the, the, the engine is and they've got a caboose and they've got a few train uh, things in between. And right. so it, it's going to be interesting to watch this evolve over the next few years. And it's coming at us fast. Oh, yeah. All of it is not yes, just sir. the automated side of it, but the, the electric side of it. it's coming at us very fast. And, right. you know, that's due to, again, regulation and, climate agendas, mm-hmm. green initiatives, things like that. And by the way, California is liking to lead a lot of those kind of things as well. Right. They, right. You know, yeah. that, that that's, yeah. you know, if, there, if there's two things right now and the, there's a lot, we could talk about the volatility of, of the industry for hours and hours. And I know you don't have that amount of time, but, <laughs> but uh, we could talk forever about it. But the two things that jump out at me, the AB five thing, which we've gone right. over a little bit, but the other thing is, the what's called the indirect source rule and that's something that the uh, uh, south coast air quality management district had uh, proposed several years ago and it's finally come into uh, you know a, a criteria that has to happen in southern california and that's if you have a warehouse of fifty thousand square feet or more mm-hmm. then you have to adhere to certain um there's a point structure. It's called a wear point, but you have to adhere to emission standards in Southern California to a certain degree. And there's a lot of very good reasons for that. It's a lot of warehouses that are right up against neighborhoods and you don't want particulates in the air. And, and I, 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 like I said, I lived in California for 30 years and I saw dramatic positive changes in the air quality while I was okay. there. I mean, dramatic. Right. I, I wish I'd have taken pictures back in the early nineties of when I was there compared to it is today. It's just <laughs> way, way better. Right. But well, that's good. You know, every time you meet a goal, mm-hmm. the goalposts are moved typically. Exactly. Right? So, yes, sir. So yeah. this indirect source rule basically says that, and I know I'm paraphrasing this, so you might get pushback from people and say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But I, <laughs> I know the generalities of it. And the general okay. rule is that these warehouses are going to get fined unless they're wear points. And I don't remember what that stands for, but it's a series of criteria that give points if their wear points are too high, which means if their emissions are too high. And it's not just from their machines or their HVAC or their own trucks. It's from whoever comes into their facilities, not just the warehouse owners, but those that are there that are uh, managing or renting 50,000 square feet or more. And, Mm. you know, the first thing I looked at when I was reading about this, I was like, well, the small business owners aren't really impacted by this a whole lot. Then I went, well, hold it here. If the warehousemen are going to get fined, 
And right now they're using small business owners, owner operators, small truck trucking companies, some of those with 20 trucks or less. And those trucks are all diesel trucks that are not, you know, non-emission or, uh, or EV or whatever. Then coming in and out of their facility, those warehousemen are going to get dinged for that. That's right. So yeah. guess what the warehousemen are going to do? The retails, the Amazons, the Walmarts, they're going to say, you're not coming in here anymore. That's right. Which just exacerbates this whole problem. And mm. even the SEC is, is, is the Security Exchange Commission is kind of codifying this in a different way with standards. So these are all, I guess the way I, I would couch this is these are all important aspects of change. You know, the world always changes. It always moves in, in hopefully a safer and more efficient direction with things. But yeah. kind of my belief is it kind of gets very disruptive before you get there. Right. And we're in yeah. the middle of that disruption. I hear and that. the people yeah. that get caught up in that wash are the small business entrepreneurs that yes. I and people like yourself are kind of trying to protect and, and coach and learn things. Right. And I, well, I don't have any answers, but I think information out there on eye level logistics and other places is part of the way you start formulating ideas on how to overcome these things. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Cause I say y'all put out a lot of information, man. And, and it's, it's really good. It's really yeah. good, man. And, um, you know, definitely wish you uh, continued success on that. And uh, we're going to slip into, uh, well, actually, I want to ask you one thing. Sure. Your Rose Scholar Project. Mm-hmm. What, what is all that about? I saw that on your website as well. Yeah, it's, you know, is as much attention as our industry's gotten over the last few years. I, Rose Scholar is obviously a play on words. You know, but uh, it was the idea of of really getting information, not just the aggregating curated stuff, but actually proprietary information, stuff we've gathered, stuff, stuff that's our opinion, stuff that we put out that says, hey, this is this is not only what we think about the industry, but if you if you're trying to get into business, you know, I, I, one of my podcasts through Road Scholar original actually it was an article first and it was it was the 10 do's and don'ts that you should look at if I actually at the 10 don'ts that you should look at if you want to be a small business owner in the trucking industry, things like that, things that are things that are not necessarily tied to AB five or indirect source rule or any of the other stuff we talked about, but just the basics of how to go into business, how to, how to plan for things, how to, to business plan for things, even as an individual. And a lot of these individuals, as you know, the owner operators, they, they own one truck, they're driving it. They get home. They've got to do their invoicing. Right. They, they're like they got to get some sleep. They got to get out on the road again. They got to make their money for their family, right? That's that's, that's what right. that's what people are going out there to do. They they want to have their own calendar and have their own time. But it's it's really about taking the important people in in your life and doing the best you can for them. Right. And so a lot of the business stuff, the ABCs of business, get set off to the side. And right. if if through Road Scholar and through getting information to the right people in the right hands. And, and the real key to it, of course, is distributing it and, and growing your audience in a way that, that helps the audience. That's, that's the goal of Rose Scholar, really, to expose okay. that to people that need it. Oh, okay. All right. So kind of like a little university type appeal yeah, we, to it a little bit. We actually went down the road of thinking about putting together clips and articles and things to create a certification for people. And that's that's still a thought. 
Um, right. There are some some entities that that are involved with that. Uh, we don't have the infrastructure to do that at the moment, but okay. it, it's it's we're still in our infancy. We're still okay. trying to become what we need to become, and and right. we're hoping that the audience out there will guide us in that direction. Okay. Right now, if you if you go on the site, there's uh, multiple tabs, and if you're interested in the financial end of things, there's a tab about money matters. And if you're interested in Road Scholar and some of these developmental things in business, you can go to that. If you're interested in IT solutions and helping to develop business, we have a referral base to, to help that happen. Right. But those things will all either become larger and blossom into something or they'll be minimized in favor of other things that maybe education uh, for the general public is is more of the direction so we'll see as it goes but we're learning as we go as well okay sure yeah Yeah, sounds good yeah so flipping to your baby the podcast (laughs) jaws jaws Am I pronouncing right? Jaws yes, Bites that's Podcast. right. That's a, okay. My last name is Joslyn, so you can guess where that's coming ah. from. I got, a, I got a tattoo somewhere that has those initials on it, but I won't <laughs> I won't divulge any more than that on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, that that's just been my nickname since since youth, and right. and uh, it's it, it's it's funny because in when I was uh, when I was first in sales uh, with with that large company that I talked about. And mm-hmm. I, there's no reason not to say the name, right? I, I love the company. It's Hub Group. But um, mm. I was down at the, the border, San Diego and, and Tijuana border, and I spent a lot of time at the Maquiladora factories. And I, I, this is not a deserving nickname, by the way, but they used to call me El Tiburon, down there, which wow. is Spanish for the shark. Which oh, I thought boy. was hilarious because my nickname is Jaws, <laughs> which is close enough to Jaws to, anyway. <laughs> That's 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 where that came from. So, okay, but yeah. uh, but in any event, my yeah, my baby. I you know I I did that because I want to make sure, you know, some people are people are different learners. Most people are visual, um, not auditory. Auditory. So podcasts right. are great, but making them video casts is even better because you have the best of both worlds. And that's right. and I felt like and and certainly I could write articles until the you know. I, I've done that for years in school, et cetera. So I could turn a lot of my thinking into articles. But the reality these days is people don't read entire articles unless it really jumps out and grab. Exactly. And I so I thought, you know, podcasts, interviews, things like that is going to eventually be the better, the better medium. Our technologies allow it. People, you know, like, my daughter and others <laughs> adhere to those podcasts and those <laughs> video casts. Like they're, I mean, matter of fact, I, I know talking to her, she will have a YouTube cast going on and maybe only listen to it. So the video and audio are both there for her to, to, okay. to go back to, you know what I mean? Right, so right. it's, I, I, I think it's in, it's important. Um, I also think it's, it's kind of hilarious because you can look back at stuff like a couple of podcasts I've done that, that forecast certain things and right. say, Oh man, I was wrong. Big time wrong. Or I was, <laughs> wow. I, yeah. I was, I was right on there. Nostradamus, man. That's, that's right. great. <laughs> and I've done a few of those too, but it's, it's, uh, it's challenging because as I've, as I've told people many times, I have a face for radio. So it's, it's kind of the ongoing joke, but 
Mm-hmm. It's it's fun to get stuff out there. It's fun to interview. It's fun to get information from people and talk to them. And and I've never been accused of lack of of being able to talk about almost anything. So, hmm. okay. So how, how long have you um, been doing your podcast now? How long has it oh been? on and off for about a year, a little over okay. a year. It's I think we're on episode fifty something or another, which is which is great. I I've had yes. uh, um, some some collaborative efforts with a, a few of us on the team and a few of us outside the team to, to create some conversational ones, which I find very, very exciting to do. Right. Uh, it, but it's, it's like a lot of things you you've got, everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody's yes. got a lot of time and, and you, you, you try to, um, lever somebody away from their business for an hour or so and get them to get on a podcast. Sometimes it's difficult, yes, but it is. If, yeah. if there are important things out there and your goal is like mine to disseminate that information and get out there, then, then it's worth it to me. Right. And, and okay. it's, it's fun because we've, we've actually gone into some, some other non-business podcasts and things like that too, which I won't talk about here, but, but they're a lot of fun because it, we we have the, at least the right in this country to to be able to talk about and say most of the things we want to say as long as we're cordial about it, right. and that's exciting because that's the way I think people today learn. Certainly the millennial groups, mm-hmm. that's that is the way they learn in bite sized chunks. They learn by video and in audio, little pieces of things that they get interested in. They'll dive into, and that's great. That's right, but. We we always looking for for more subscribers, of course. Whether it's on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or, so we're on all those all the basic um, platforms. Great. Yeah, that's good. That is good. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Do you see yourself expanding to an even larger role with your podcast? So I guess I guess let, let me paint this picture for you. Sure. Being that you have high level logistics, and you have Josh. Jaws Bites podcast. To me, the picture that I see, and I know you're still growing just like myself, the picture that I see is either an RV or a bus with your logo and everything, and you're going traveling around different states of the U.S., um, you know, like I say, interviewing different people, business owners or different trade shows. Um, if something comes up, you know, like a California, what you're talking about now, mm-hmm. or, you, you know, mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. you know, interviewing different people and uh, really turning things into like a show enough CNN for real. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah there's there's uh, I mean, I'm not the only one out there doing this, of course. And there's a, <clears throat> a couple of of real good size, well-funded places that, that do this freight waves is awesome to, to, to oh, listen yeah. into yeah. and watch. And, That's right. and I, I, I don't think my direction is to try to compete with that necessarily, okay. but I will tell you, I think you're, you're correct. And one of the reasons I mentioned the IANA conference is I think that that allows for a, again, a broad spectrum of people with differing points of view on a particular subject That's to right. get on and, and say what they want to say. Right. And that I'm all for that. The the challenge is always the same. When you create businesses like this, you you I mean the bottom line is you you want them to be successful for the altruistic aspects of what you're trying to do, but you also want them to be successful financially. That's right. And you know, you have to grow an audience to do that. Right. You have to determine what the extended business 
associated things can come out of that. I mentioned my CJ Solutions brokerage slash. My, it's called CJ Solutions because that's what we've done for since 2008. We've oh, gone yeah. to customers, carriers, etc., and we've helped them plan and solve their challenge, help them solve their challenges in collaboration with them and find solutions for, you know, Black Friday uh, projects and warehousing and, you know, special transload things or cross-border kind of situations. There's all kinds of things that we do. And so the, the, the key is, is have fun, but also make it successful. Otherwise, it's just a hobby, right? That's right. And That's true. It, it, it may be great to put a you know a hundred episodes out on podcast, but at some point it, it better it better pay pay the bills. That's as right. Well, and so I that's agree. what we're looking to do. And and the only way we can do that is to continue to push content, find out what the the customer, which is the c- consumer of that content, really wants, mm. and and give it to them. And so, so that's the stage we're in. I think you're absolutely right, though. I think one of the best ways in the world to do that is to get out to those trade shows, to travel around and do some of that stuff. So that's what this, this California thing is really a test in that direction. And, uh, trust me, if, if I'm, if I'm driving by, uh, the East coast and you see, you see a big Jaws bites, things go by, (laughs) I'll make sure they don't put a big picture of my head on that thing because nobody will ever watch it. But but that would be a, that would be a wonderful thing, a fun thing to do. And you know what? The politicians that are out there, the the people involved in this industry, they recognize this stuff is the way things are going. I I think you are as a, as a great example are going to have a lot of success with the format you've put together on this. I really do. I'm I'm impressed by it. Thank you. But it's also, you just got to keep doing it even when you think it's not getting somewhere because it's got to reach a tipping point and then goes, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. One, one of the uh, first gentlemen to reach out to me to actually be a guest on their podcast, Mr. Jamie Irvine, the Heavy Duty Parts Report, one advice he had mentioned to me was, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. If you're looking to make yeah. quick money out of this or a lot of money, uh, you, you better get out of it. It, yeah. it, it's going to take a while for your growth and, you know, getting over your hurdles. And I see that is true. I see yeah. that is very much true. And um, but it's fun. You know, yeah. that's that's the main thing with me. It's fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy providing a platform for, you know, entrepreneurs such as yourself and the many other guests that I've had. And it's just interesting to learn about everybody's story because everybody has their own separate lane. And how they got to where they from A to Z is always good to hear. I enjoy that and love it. And uh, a lot of people have very inspirational stories. And, um, you know, hearing how some people just really overcame some serious odds. Right. Is, um, you know, like I mentioned, someone that asked me, I can't remember who it was. What's one of the aspects of your podcast? And I was like, it's the double eyes. And say, um, information and inspiration. I love that. And I mean, um, in, in, isn't that isn't that what people look for now? They look for the logistic side of their brain, or I should say, the logical side of their brain, looks for information. Right. The other side of their brain looks to be, for lack of a better way to put it, emotionally engaged. Right. And inspiration right. does that. I, you know, yeah. I'm, I, I have a, 
where where most I know a lot of people with a lot of things they've overcome in their life, and I look at my own life and I go, oh, that was kind of vanilla getting to the way I where I am, but right. that's that's just my viewpoint. Believe me, if if you saw my business ventures over the course of the last twenty years, you'd go, wow, he got he got wiped out and he came back, and he got wiped out, and he came, and that's that's kind of the story of most entrepreneurs that really have that in their head. They're real or dedicated to it. Right. And I, you know, if there's, if there's one thing that I've, I, I've thought about it a million times and it's, it's a saying that I've used with my, my kids as well, but people that I talk to about business all the time is, you know, you put your goals in cement. You know, if you have something you really, really want and, and, it, and you want to make it concrete, then you better put it in concrete. Right. That's right. But yeah. Put yeah. your plans in sand because cool. things are going to change on the way. And, and <laughs> that's, that's inevitable in any in industry, but particularly ours right now. It's just like right. every time you turn around, you're, you're almost to that goal and you're, ah, you know, a new regulation comes out right. or, a, a, you know, a volatile thing happens like the, <laughs> like the pandemic, right. for instance, mm-hmm. and they, or anything else that's happened over the course of time. So sure. put your Put your goals in cement, but your plans in sand is what I kind of, it's like a mantra for me, you know. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Very good one. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, Chris, is there any other um, valuable nuggets that we should know about, um, about what you do with either your podcast or our level logistics? Any other key points? Well, I, I mean... As you can probably tell, I could go off on a million different subjects, and I won't. I won't do that to you. <laughs> maybe, maybe at another time. But okay. I, I, I would just encourage people, and whether it's our site or not, to spend time. You know, every couple of days, every day, whatever. Spend five minutes. Whether whether it's jumping on one of the the websites like ours, which is ilovelogistics.com, spelled the way you would think it would spell. And uh, signing up for our, our email distribution is the best way. It's, it's free. You'll get an email in your inbox, and it'll have a quick rundown of some articles. It'll have a click-through to go to either podcast or some analytics that we've done. We have, we have something called Industry Indicators that comes out once every week or two weeks that goes over things from – and it's not just – you would think it's just contained within just transportation items, but it actually pulls in political and socioeconomic things and tries to show how those things share uh, share information across each other that affect the transportation world or how yeah. the effect the transportation world affects other things. So mm-hmm. it's it's great information. We you know you can't you can't grow a business like this unless you grow the community. And the only way you grow the community is to continually get people to subscribe and, and come see your site and, and, and get involved. And, and I would tell anybody out there that happens to be listening to this, that this is a wonderful platform to do it on right here. Jump on, um, jump on this gentleman's site in, in the trucking entrepreneurs podcast and, and sign up because uh, Derek's done a great job and, and, uh, I wish you all the luck. I really do. I wish you all the Thank best. You. And, and I appreciate can say it's it. going to be very successful for you. And I appreciate it, Chris. And likewise. And likewise. Yeah, yeah definitely. Thanks. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Well, uh, you've already given yourself a shout out. I appreciate that. And you also have a YouTube channel. Don't don't forget to mention I that do. now. It's, it's under Jaws Bites, J-O-Z, and then space B-Y-T-E-S. Okay. And you can come see any one of our 50 whatever podcasts that are on there now. 
and okay. and I wouldn't. I'm going to start looking back at a few of the older ones. And uh, one of one of my teammates is uh, is starting to put little clips and things on Instagram Reels and TikTok right. and things like that. And mm-hmm. I never thought in a million years I'd be getting my face on TikTok for <laughs> any reason at all. But you know, you got it. You got to look at the mediums that are out there and do yes. what you got to do, right? So, That's right. Yes, sir. But, about yeah. what we talked about um, before we got on, uh, got to step outside that box, man. Oh, yeah, the comfort zone, you know. <laughs> exactly, yes, sir. Constantly <laughs> stretch ourselves, you know. Right, right. And yes, I appreciate sir. you 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 doing this to help stretch me because I and, and it's funny that you brought up the whole van with the logo and everything because those kind of things have been been wiggling around in the business plan for a while. So you never oh, okay. know what you might see in the future. And, and yeah. I, I expect big things from my level logistics and, and, uh, and I'm going to try to make those things happen yes, with sir. the help of the community. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah. Cause you definitely have to set up in a platform to do such a thing. So, uh, you know, I hope that all comes to pass uh, for you sooner than what you think. So, yeah, you know, that's great. definitely. Well, thank you. Yes, sir. You're welcome. Well, before concluding, I, I always have a fun question for each guest. So I, I, I hope you didn't think he was going to get away without doing one oh, of those. Dang. So. <laughs> You're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So you ready? I'm ready. Fire away. Right. Okay. All right. If you could select a moment in of history you could be a part of for one day only, what special moment in history would that be and why? You know, I, that's interesting because I, I, I'm old enough to have grown up in the late 60s, early 70s as a, as a youth. And, um, I, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, my, my folks were always talking about the Kennedys and the situations involved there and, and Martin Luther King and the situations involved there. And I always thought, and you're nearby Washington. So right. it's That's a fantastic right. place to visit. I've visited a couple of times in Smithsonian and right. some of the museums and different things going on. But I, I, I would have loved to be there in one of the major on the, on the mall during one of the major speeches that went on at that time. Um, maybe I have a dream speech. I think it's one of the, the, I think it's one of the best. It's, it's one of the best lines ever. And it's, it's one that I would hope people would listen to more and maybe revisit more. Right. And maybe we could get along a lot better that way. (laughs) But, uh, but I think it's one of those big moments, one of those big national moments that I, you know, I can think about a lot of things from a personal standpoint, but from a, from a, I want to be on the mall. That's, I think that's a good one on the mall. When, when Martin Luther King Jr. Had and I had a dream speech. That would be awesome. Okay. Yeah. That's a very good pick. Wow. Okay. I know nothing to do with transportation, but that's, you know, that's dumb. That's... <laughs> no, it could be anything. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, that yeah. is fine. Good pick. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. And that was not discussed ahead of time. I, I was totally blind. And I, yes. I, you know, if we go back further in history, there's probably a lot of different things I'd like to go. Does right. Netflix really have that right? Does the, you know, I don't believe that that really happened back in Rome or whatever, but, but I think that's a good one. Right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yes, sir. 
Well, Chris, it has been a great pleasure having you on the Trucking Entrepreneurs Podcast. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be a guest. And I wish you nothing but the best in, uh, in you and your staff and all that you all do. And, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully have you on in the future um, at some point in time. And, you know, definitely when you do get the bus or RV or what have you, get that going. Uh, don't forget about the small people over here, oh, you know, this yeah. side. But, uh, you know, maybe I yeah, can. I, maybe I'll race, you, I'll race you to who has the bus and van first. How's that? Okay. All right. All right. That'll work. <laughs> Yeah, I might have to start out with a 1976 AMC Gremlin. Do you remember that car? Do you oh, remember that? Oh gosh, I had a I had a 1976 Buick Skyhawk. Wow, the, door, the doors did not work. Oh, okay. But that's mm. when I met my wife. So, oh, she wasn't after my money, man. I had none. So. Yeah, I know that's right. <laughs> that's the best time to find yeah. out somebody loved you or not. Exactly. Yes. But I can't thank you enough again, Derek. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. You're very welcome. Yeah. And Chris, until next time, you take care of yourself and keep up the very good work. Thank you. Yes, sir. You're very welcome. This episode is brought to you by My Trucker Pro, an online platform for transportation professionals, making it easier to do business. Join for free at MyTruckerPro.com. concludes our show if you've enjoyed today's episode please tell a friend and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to your favorite podcast platform thank you for listening to the trucking entrepreneurs podcast